will be the first Sunday they will be with us again, and uh, we'll be having a, um, uh, a reception for them that Sunday night, uh, kind of debating on how to do all of this. It may um, just go ahead and preach the same sermon. You guys wouldn't mind hearing it twice, would you? Uh, actually, I preached that sermon a little bit differently uh, in Sunday morning services here in several places, but just felt that it would fit very well there in the in the wedding. And let's go to Psalm 32 tonight. Psalm 32, and uh, we're just uh, rejoicing. And of course, if I sound and look a little tired, it's just because I am. It was a very, very trying trip, and I got to see a lot of the beautiful Kentucky countryside. I was following uh, the directions on my phone, and uh, I had Franz. I said, check this thing. I said, I can't read it uh, without my reading glasses. It says exit 33, and I'd heard 43 and 40, and so we went way down through the little hollers and twisty, windy roads, and got to see a lot of beautiful countryside, and Brother Franz is going, I don't think I'm going to make it to get the wedding license. And uh, when I told the pastor of the church where we came from and how much time it took us, he looked at me and he said, you did pretty good, brother. (laughs) And so um, we uh, hot-footed across some of them little country roads, and uh, praise the Lord, Uh, They were able to get the wedding license and all of those things. And uh, uh, actually, the church that they were in uh, never met the pastor before, but uh, he said, uh, introduced them, Brother Mike, and they were able to plug their RV in and spend the night, and they're actually presenting their work there today. And so uh, the Lord has worked out a lot of uh, wonderful things there. And uh, Psalm 32, and we'll try to uh, be careful with our time tonight. Let's just read through the entire psalm. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom, I'm sorry. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence... My bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse... Or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, 
But he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. This is a special psalm, a psalm of blessing, a psalm of seeking God's forgiveness. There's not a one of us that has not and is not in need of the instruction that is in this wonderful little psalm. This was a song that was meant to be sung, and it starts with the blessing. Blessed is he whose transgressions, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Of course, this is a psalm. If you have the little introductions in there, this will be listed as a psalm that David wrote. And, and certainly David was not without sin, as we went through in our Sunday school time this morning. And it tells us that blessed is a man who is forgiven, whose sins are covered. To whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, to whom the Lord is not judging and putting on him the results of their sins. When is the last time you thank God for not giving you what you deserve? Amen? That's what this passage is talking about. But he says it wasn't always that way. He said there was a time when I tried to cover my own sin, when I kept my mouth shut, he said, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. You know, you can quiet a lot of things, but one thing you can't quiet is your conscience. Somebody said, well, what is my conscience actually? Well, sometimes... Your conscience is actually the Holy Spirit of God telling you you've done wrong. It's time to listen. He said, uh, the sin problem caused, he said, my bones waxed old. I'll tell you, after traveling and all of that, sometimes you feel a little older and everything creaks and stuff like that. But when you hide something in your heart... It just makes your step slower, doesn't it? It just weighs you down. But God's not going to let you forget about it until you seek His forgiveness. He said, Thy hand is heavy upon me. Uh, My wife will remember this when... uh, I believe it was after we were married, we went to a camp meeting, or was that the summer before we were married? Yes, And uh, they had everybody out in the tent, and the weather was just about like today, all week long. No air conditioning, just under a canvas tent, and of course that uh, tent material got hot. And I mean, it was just like walking into an oven, and and the uh, no rain, and the grass had all dried up. And you know what the preachers were preaching on? It's dry. You know, you're just sitting there going, don't remind me, just a glass of water. And, and uh, oh, that was difficult. But I'll tell you, the Lord 
will dry you up when things are going on in your heart that don't belong there. And there's only one place to take care of this thing. He said, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. The next phrase, and thou forgavest me the iniquity of my sin. Now, what's going on? We okay now? Um, there was some kind of flutter in the speakers there, but uh, what God wants us to do is to tell him about it. As a father, sometimes I know what my kids have done wrong. And I wait. You know why? Because I want them to willingly come and get that thing straightened out. Because you know what? Dad won't always be there to make them sit up in church and do right. Right, Joey? Now stop. Dad won't always be there. You've got to learn to come to the Lord. And the Lord will not make you do right. He will allow you to carry those things that are hurting you. Why? Because unless you willingly surrender them to the Lord, it's no good. God is not making us robots. He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to admit our sin. He wants us to seek His forgiveness. You know, sometimes we have a a problem with trying to figure this thing out. If Jesus died on the cross, how many sins did He forgive me on the cross? Well, all of them. He paid for every sin that was ever sinned. Well, if he paid for all those sins and they're all forgiven and under the blood, then why do I need to confess those sins on a daily basis? Well, it's very simple. That's God's way of purging your system from your guilt and your sin. It is your simple admission to God. You know, if... Any of you have ever been to, I hope no one's had to do this, go to the AA meetings and all of this. They've learned something from the Bible. First thing you do when you get to Alcoholics Anonymous. My name's Pete and I'm a drunk. That's how you introduce yourself at every meeting. Because if you don't admit your problem, you're never going to solve it. The world knows that. Where did they learn it? They learned it from God. And God says, listen, don't keep it inside. Bring your sin. Confess it. God's forgiveness is bigger than your sin. Amen? By the way, though you may have shocked yourself with what you did, you didn't startle God. 
He already knew before you were born what you would do and what you wouldn't do. He died on the cross a long time before any of us in here were ever born. David was looking forward to that. But look at verse 6. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. You can wait too long. That's what the psalmist is saying. It says you need to pray to God in a time when he can be found. If you have that convicting work of the Holy Spirit of God going on in your heart, now is the time to pray. Now is the time to deal with what is going on. If you wait until the floods come, you know, did you notice the order of the words here in the verse? It says, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. That's today. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. You see, the floods come afterwards. It's not this idea of the waters rising, everything's going bad, the house is moving off the foundation. Now it's time to pray. No, that's not the way God works. He wants you to pray now so that you'll be right with him. And when the floods come, then he can protect you. God cannot protect you if you're not surrendered to Him. God will not protect you. The issue, acknowledging your sin today, God will forgive you. He will hide you. He will keep you. Now we go into the third part of this psalm, starting with verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. This is God talking now through the psalmist. He's saying, if you will acknowledge your sin, if you will pray to me today, I will hide you in that time. He says, I'm going to give you that instruction when you surrender today to follow the way that I have laid out for you. And he gives us an example here. He says, don't be like a horse. How many of you have ever ridden a horse? I mean, horse riding is kind of fun. I, I prefer horsepower. But uh, you get on one of those horses, and I remember this, we were with a group at a at a... Uh, it was a meeting, and I was preaching at the meeting. He said, oh, we're going to go horse riding. And so we went over to this farm, and they did not take care of the horses. The horse I had 
had an attitude because people had not treated the animal right. And so I had to keep tight on the bit every moment. You know, when you pull that bit back in the horse's mouth, it hurts the horse. That's why they do exactly what you say. Now, a good horse, you can give them a little rein. You don't have to pull the bit back tight. And they'll walk down the trail and they'll do the things they're supposed to. This one, man, I had to jerk that bit the whole time I was on the back. I don't like hurting animals. That's just not... I mean, unless it's hunting season, I don't like hurting them anyway. They're not supposed to feel it, right? Uh, If you get it done right, you get it done the first time. But the whole thing is, sometimes we as Christians are just like that horse. (laughs) Just pulling our head back and forth. And we get a little chafed when the Lord pulls the bit nice and tight. Because it hurts. He said, don't be like a horse. He said, I will guide thee with mine eye. Do you see the picture here? He says, I'm going to show you the direction. I'm going to look in the direction I want you to go. And you can follow my eyes. I've often done that in a service. One of my little ones will be acting up a little bit. Dad will give him the eye. And they'll know exactly what Dad is saying. And sit up straight. No problems. That's a good thing. When I have to stop service and call names, that's not a good thing. The Lord says, don't be like a horse. Don't be like a mule. You know what will happen? It says, who have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. You know what a upset horse will do if it doesn't really want you on its back? It'll reach back and bite you. And it'll also walk under low branches of trees and rub you up against the fence post and rub you right off the horse. I mean, they got all kinds of ways of getting rid of you if you're not careful. And the Lord says, sometimes we act like that with his direction. We chafe at the bit. We try to go our own way. He says, let me guide you with my eye. Because many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Mercy. Could spend the whole night on just that one word, couldn't we? I keep running that definition in my mind. Mercy is what the vanquished receives at the hand of the victor. You know, we don't surrender to the Lord as much as we should. We need to surrender constantly. He wants to redirect us. He wants to give us. He wants to compass us about with mercy. That mercy is when we admit that we can't do it. When we failed. When we lay down prostrate and say, I surrender completely to your will. That's when we receive mercy. 
And mercy protects us. You see, it's not in God's interest that we should be destroyed. Amen? It's in God's interest that we should have what we need to serve Him. Accept the mercy of God. And then we can get to verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Now, how can you do that? Well, go back to the beginning. You see, this this psalm here kind of goes in a circle, if you might say. It ends where it begins. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto the Lord, whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Do you see how those two verses... Again, the Hebrew poetry is the working of ideals. And he said... This is where I'm going to be blessed. But you know, David, we don't know exactly what sin he was thinking about here. It may have been that time when he was trying to cover up. Before Nathan came in and pointed his finger and said, Thou art the man. He said, Had no peace. He said, my bones were waxed old. He said, I was dried up. There was no, no joy in my life. He said, I was roaring all the day long. My conscience was screaming at me for all the sins that I have done. He said, but I acknowledged my sin. God forgave me. He took away the iniquity of my transgression. You notice he didn't say he took away my transgression. God did not judge David in the way that he should have been judged. David should have died for his deeds. But he didn't. And David ends the psalm saying, I'm shouting for joy. I'm rejoicing in God. This is where we need to be, amen? I think this is where each one of us would want to be, is being glad and shouting for joy. But that only comes when we're surrounded by the mercy of God. That only comes after we have sought Him, not according to our time clock, according to His. And he gives us his grace, and he does fill us with his joy. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come.